Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. The trade deadline is upon us, fam. And you can just tell by the look on Charlie O'Connor's face. He cannot wait. This is his time of year. Chuck's time to shine. <laughs> just, oh my God. I had a joke I wanted to make for your intro, and I have no memory of what it is. So I just have It'll to go past to it. Anyway, yeah, so the trade deadline is upon us. Travis Konechny has disappeared into the ether. Uh, the coach says they're not making the playoffs. All that and more on today's show. Uh, so let's get right into it. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So I know this is going to be a good show because before we started recording, there was a spirited discussion of who is, in fact, the hoagie guy. And then also Charlie looks like he wants to murder us. So it's going to be a good show. <laughs> Charlie's happy to be here, man. <laughs> Uh, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> it's true. I would well, find you. The number one Flyers beat writer we all want to see eat a strawberry, Charlie <laughs> O'Connor. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what it was. I remembered it right there. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> He's from theathletic.com. Oh, we've lost Kelly. She's lost her mind. <laughs> no, I, saw, I saw that tweet while I was at the hockey game on Friday. And when I tell you that I was like crying in my seat, I was laughing so hard. So, so for I, I guess we should provide some background here for those who are not. Yeah, not like, it turns out permanently our whole audience online. isn't as yeah isn't as online as we are. So, Doctor Evil Gritty, Doctor Evil Gritty, by far the star of Flyers Twitter, um, yes. has I don't know an obsession. With Charlie, I don't it know what it is. So. Crush on Charlie. <laughs> he's just he's he likes to mention Charlie a lot in his tweets. So he takes a screen he takes a screen recording to show how he was blocked by Joel Farabee. And while searching for Farabee, his search history says like Charlie O'Connor eating a strawberry, Charlie <laughs> O'Connor sexy, and like one more. And like we I died laughing and put it in our Slack chat, and Kelly's been laughing ever since. It was so funny. I like showed it to my friend. He started laughing. It was just a oh good time God. was had by all. Wild, wild really shit. So what's up, Charlie? How's it going? Um, yeah, so we're in trade deadline time. The trade deadline is Friday. And and I could say this. I I legitimately love my job. I love writing about hockey. I love watching hockey games. I hate the trade deadline. And I think it's because like I there are some reporters that like really, really love the like, the whole the game of being the first to break news and the rumors and the drama. And like, I just really like hockey. I don't love all the bullshit of trying to weed through like 10 rumors of which two of them are true and eight of them were just made up by some random dude on Twitter. And a few of them were, like, just the agent of a player wanting to stir shit up for reasons. Like, it's just, I find it so exhausting and such bullshit. And, like, this is not what I enjoy. So I very much just, like, try to survive trade deadline, break some stories, do good work. But this is my least favorite part of the job. I hate it. So wait, you don't tie your self-worth and professional success to tweeting out or putting into articles 47,000 rumors and hoping that you hit on one or two and then incessantly talking about how you were right for the next six weeks? You don't, that's not a thing that you do? That's yeah, that, that's that not was, really my bag, personally. Oh. It's not how I generate my own self-worth. Uh, and just like from a content consumer like, I am not a journalist. I don't give a shit about any of that. Um, 
there's a great Bill Burr bit about the NFL draft where he, he makes fun of people who got up in arms about Michael Sam being drafted and all that. And he goes, ha! That's what you get your for watching the fucking draft. And it's like, <laughs> you just watched you just watched two days of like a graduation and you don't know any of the people at the high school. It's like there's gonna be a whole list tomorrow. There'll be a whole list. And like, yeah, it's cool if you break the story, if you're the guy. Also, the teams are gonna tell you. Like Patrick Kane isn't gonna show up. Like he's not gonna descend from the rafters of the team he gets traded to at like a mystery fucking edition. <laughs> They're gonna tell us who gets Patrick Kane. Like it's not. It, yeah, like, but the person I, that tweets it first is the yeah, coolest. There's something to being first, and then what? Like I guess you have more Twitter. Fo- I just I don't yeah. see the tangible value in it. Yeah, I there mean, isn't like there any anymore. It's the, not 1977. There is value. Yeah, like there's a whole it's internet. Just, it's just not what I personally, like, it's not something that I care that much about. I would rather, I, my viewpoint of the trades alliance, I always rather be the person who explains why a trade happened or breaks down whether it was a smart move or not. Not this, like, constant speculation of what's going to happen. Oh, my God, I need the rumor. Oh, my God, is this rumor true? Like, and then people constantly bothering you, like, is it true that the Flyers are going to trade Claude Giroux? And I'm talking like six years ago because some moron with like 50 Twitter followers decided to tweet out that it would be a good idea. Like it's just, it gets very exhausting. And I look forward so much to like 301 when the trade deadline is finally passed. I hate it so much. Looking back, that moron with 50 followers was probably on to something for everyone's health. But. We'll, uh, we'll we'll talk some trade deadline stuff today. I just wanted to, like, go back in time, I don't know, less than two months, really. Uh, go back to the end of December. From December 29th to January 14th, the Flyers had won 7 of 8. Uh, they did well out west on the Disney on Ice trip. Uh, they swept a home and home with the Caps. Things were looking up, and I was like, do we start talking... You know, do they maybe get themselves into the playoffs race? Playoff race. It, they were 18, 18, and 7, so they're at hockey 500. Things may be looking up a little. They're ahead of where we thought they'd be. Then on January 16th, they lost 6 nothing to the, uh, I'm pretty sure, still undefeated Boston Bruins. Um, <laughs> yeah, they don't lose. <laughs> never. N- they never fucking... It's... I, I, it's unbelievable. It's amazing I, how I, good a team can be when they're paying Patrice Bergeron a $2.5 million cap hit. I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked that they're yeah, real that's, good. That's fair. <laughs> so from January 16th until their most recent game on, uh, what was it, the 25th of February, they've gone 5-9-3. and three. That's a 382 points percentage. Uh, they've been bookended by 6 nothing and 7 nothing losses. We've been on kind of a roller coaster with this team. They started out hot, and it was like, all right, but look at look at what's really happening. They're kind of just getting good goaltending and timely scoring, and they're winning some games maybe they shouldn't. Then they have the 10-game losing streak. Then they start to come back a little. This is it, right? They're With 21 games left, they're dead. Oh, they're dead. Oh, yeah, they're they're dead. I mean, they were dead during that December winning streak. The uh, they only were thing always... that happened... It, it cost us the sweet release of Chuck Fletcher getting fired is the <laughs> only thing that happened there. I, I just mean, like, we're not going to get back on this fucking roller coaster, no. right? Like, they're going to just, I mean, they're going to win another game or two because no one loses 21 in a fucking row. But No, we could like, only be so lucky that they would lose 21. It's over. Row. Oh, that yeah, would be real nice. It's done. Especially now that Konechny is out for the foreseeable. Yeah, like, who the fuck's scoring goals, Matt? I, Jordan I Greenway? wanted to get to... No, <laughs> can I just okay so, I, I do think it's realistic that like right now they're eighth to last um I think they could fall to like five they're in that they could fall to that five to seven range like they it's could. not oh, out of the realm could. of possibility considering how they're playing right now I guess we'll start with Travis Konechny because that's actually true so he's out for you know, however it was, it was put in the last day or two, like a long. It's it's a long term. Well, it, it was literally a couple means. hours ago. Yeah, and basically that was jo- that was today, right? Yeah, yeah, John Tortorella essentially said, "Yeah, Travis Konechny isn't coming back." It, it was it was essentially like, "Yeah, you're not going to see him anymore." 
It, it was basically like Clemenza saying about Pauly, like, oh, yeah, he got whacked. He's, he's dead. Um, but the Flyers still still have not um, actually given a time frame. It's just they're, depending on, oh, John, depending on John Tortorella to say, yeah, yeah, he'll be out for a while. We are dead. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you, Bill, you just said that, can we say the Flyers are dead? John Tortorella today basically <laughs> just picked up the shovel and dumped all the dirt on the Flyers' grave. His quotes today were, and I quote, we're not getting into the playoffs. And then about two minutes later, we're going to sell, right? <laughs> like, the only man in the organization living in reality. It's really, and like, this fucking dinosaur is the only guy who said a goddamn thing that mirrors reality a little bit. Uh, it's it's unbelievable the, the direction this franchise has taken where they're just like, you got it, coach. It's very much... Um, what the Sixers did during the process. And they were just like, Brett Brown, you're going to do all of our press releases. Good luck. And it was like, well, they probably need to hear from the decision makers. Nah, nah, you got this. Well, yeah, I me- don't have medical updates. Yeah, too fucking bad. Like, it, it's like Travis Konechny, he's done for the year is what I should take from it. Like, his season is over. He's out a week. Like, I should he's take definitely that not out these a next week. 21 games. I, I think yeah. he's going to be out for an extended period of time, whether that's like, all of March, or whether that's the entire season, I don't know. That said, the like vibe was very all the rest of the season. If he's that out, if he's going to be out for weeks, as in like four to six weeks, then just that's the whole season. Yeah, then just sit him the rest of the year. Like who cares? We know he's good. No, you got to play him in the last good. game. You got to you got to play him in the last game so he can suffer a traumatic injury that he won't be ready for next mm. year and you won't be able to trade him in the summer. Yeah. That's, that's that's the, the fucking that's what you that's the sweet spot there. But yeah, um, T- he, TK, and, he and TK's Sean Couturier will come back for the last 3 games. TK's done for the okay. foreseeable future. We asked John Twitter I got to believe it's he he said he's done for the foreseeable future. Not sure whether he's out for the full season, but he's going to be out for a while. And I think that for Tortorella was the last straw of like, yeah, we're cooked. Like, this season's over. We don't have anybody who can score goals. The one guy who we did have that could score goals, yeah, he's not coming back anytime soon, if at all. And we're so far out of a playoff spot that I can't even keep up this fiction anymore that there's meaningful games. It's over. And, like, meanwhile, three days out from the trade deadline, and no one's seen Chuck Fletcher for, like, six months. He's in the lab, man. Chuck Fletcher. I'm telling you. I feel like Maybe I've seen like... other GMs popping up here and there over the yeah. last couple of weeks talking about the stuff that they're going to do. I've Competent seen nary, people who do things. Nary a Chuck to be found in any of this. <laughs> nary a Chuck. I'm fairly certain. I'm fairly certain that John Tortorella played Justin Braun at forward the other night to remind Chuck Fletcher that he's on the team. So at the very least, we get another Justin Braun trade to make sure that Fletcher's Braun percentage stays high. Like, that's what we gotta do. Dude, imagine imagine being Kiefer Bellows. Because, okay, <laughs> this guy is on the team, is a forward, and your coach tells you, basically, you suck so badly that I'm going to play the defensive defenseman who in 38 games has one point. I'm going to play him at wing instead of giving you a game to play. Wow. Like, Justin Braun, when the Flyers acquired Justin Braun and it looked like he could still play, was described as a black hole of offense. As a defenseman? He was on the wing? This is now, like, what... That was pre-pandemic. <laughs> that was a whole world ago. I gotta say and, though, that was man, a lot of fun to watch. That was that man. That summer, Chuck. What happened to you, man? Oh, that was a good time. Yeah, he did some um, stuff, and some of it actually worked out for a while. Yeah, like Niskanen, Four and games. then Niskanen fucking quit. Yeah, uh, Niskanen's <laughs> like, I'm done with this shit. Yeah, this is, I see what's happening here. Uh, like, do you should have known? Now. Uh, I just have to ask, do you think there's any... John Tortorella is at this, like, wit's end point, it seems. Do you think there's a possibility he's not the coach next season? No, no, he's... Nah, no, he's, he's not going I don't there. even think he's at his wit's end. I just think he 
realizes that well, this team isn't going anywhere this year. So he's just... No, I, I think John Tortorella is very much all in. I think there is zero chance that he leaves as coach. What? Yo, he, do you think he, he wants is, to fix this. I was going to say, do you think he is like deliberately talking to Chuck Fletcher in most of these press conferences? No, I just don't think he gives a shit. Like I, I, I don't think fans want to believe that that everything Tort says is meant as like him spitting in the face of Chuck Fletcher because all they want to do is spit in the face of Chuck Fletcher. So it makes them feel better to think that Tortorella is doing that as their avatar. No, I just don't think John Tortorella really gives a shit because he yeah. knows that they're not going to fire him. And if they're going to fire anybody, it's going to be Chuck. So he can be 100% honest about everything because there are no consequences in being 100% honest about everything. Like, what's Chuck going to do? That Tell attitude. him, don't say that? Tor's going to be like, yeah, what are you going to do, fire me? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, given that attitude, is there a 15 to 20% of the things Tortorella says is like, hey, Chuck, this team is fucking horrible. Just, just a reminder, this team's horrible. Like... I think there there is an element of there's an element of calculation at times. Like for example, a lot of the stuff I think he would say about Felix Sandstrom versus Sam Erson, I think that was calculated because he wanted to send the message to Chuck that like, hey, I think this Sandstrom Sandstrom guy sucks and Erson is good, and if you want me to win games, give me the goalie that's good. Like I think that that sort of stuff is calculated. But the idea that like Everything Torts says is meant to make Chuck Fletcher look bad because he secretly thinks he's a moron. Like, no, I don't think that's the case. Fans are welcome to believe that if it makes them feel better, but like, I don't think that's actually what's going on here. Speaking of Chuck Fletcher, where have the Jordan Greenway rumors come from? Kelly mentioned Jordan uh... Greenway a second ago. Like, I logged on to Twitter today. And I was like, is Jordan Greenway a flyer? Like, did this actually, no. like, well, I had to know. check. It, it, it's more just connecting the dots here than there be, like, basically what it boils down to, I reported this this morning, Elliot Friedman also reported this this morning, that before Dallas traded Dennis Gurionov for Evgeny Dodonov um, to Montreal, basically the Flyers were in on Gurionov, who is one of those, like, reclamation project type guys who's in his early to mid-20s, who has talent but hasn't been able to click in Dallas the last couple of years. And they were trying to basically maybe uh, swap JVR for him and try to have it be a reclamation project here. So you know that they're open to trading JVR, not necessarily just for picks, but for these kind of reclamation project type guys. We also know, and I could confirm this, that Minnesota is one of the teams that is legitimately interested in James Van Riemsdyk. I also suspect James Van Riemsdyk is very interested in Minnesota because the guy lives there with his wife and kids in the offseason. I have a hunch he might sign there for next season because it just makes sense. So you know that A, the Flyers are open to trading JVR not just for picks but for younger players. You know that Minnesota is interested and you know that Minnesota is trying to move Jordan Greenway who is another one of these reclamation project type guys who Chuck Fletcher drafted in Minnesota. So like... To connect the dots, it makes some sense that at the very least, they probably discussed the possibility. So here's the thing that I annoys me about this. I can't wait for that to happen. Several things annoy me about this. Number one, if Minnesota is really trying to get away from this Jordan Greenway contract, which apparently they are, a good general manager would be able to say, okay, we'll trade you JVR, but you're going to have to sweeten it a little bit because you want to get away from this guy. Yeah, I agree with that. And I can see Chuck just doing a one-for-one one swap because he fucking sucks at his job. Oh, 100%. It's going to be one-for-one. One. Number two, where did the Flyers get the idea that they can fix anyone who that is was broken? My next is question, this? my next who question was the fucking delusion that you you're like the destiny. 
you're the destination. Like, if you're looking for a reclamation proje- uh, project, I don't know, the 2016, 17, 18, 19, and 20 drafts of your own fucking prospects are a great place to start. Your own players who have done zero for you in the last five, six years, that's the a fucking great audacity. fucking place to start. Like, I don't need... We need another Jordan... This is a an organization of Jordan Greenways. Like, th- that's all we have. How is that possibly what they're looking at? Oh, yeah, third liner who can fucking, uh, who who can grind it up for you a little bit. Oh, good. More Scott Lawton. More Scott Lawton. Like, you managed to make Rasmus Ristolainen less of a disaster, and now you're, like, so high on your own supply that you're just going to run around saving all of the broken boys in the NHL? Well, I, th- like, I think the, in fairness, I think the big one that has them thinking they can do this is Owen Tippett. That's the big one. Because Owen Tippett was... Did co- they fix him, or I did mean, they just put him in the NHL? Well, he was kind was of a cast-off in Florida. He, you know, he had sort of fallen into that, like, is he an NHL player? Is he a bust? they had good players! Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, that's where they've convinced us that Owen Tippett has been a guy who, you know, looked like he was on the outs in Florida. The Flyers picked him up in the Drew trade, gave him a shot, and suddenly Owen Tippett doesn't look like a star, but he looks like a player. He looks like a legitimate piece. And now they kind of have this idea like, well, we can do this with other guys, right? Yeah, like Isaac Ratcliffe. I need nice. There needs to be one person in this organization that can tell these people that their perception of reality, like someone has to tell them like, Hey guys, um, no, that's not what you did. Like you didn't do that. So you probably can't fix Jordan Greenway who like, what, what is the ceiling on him? Second liner? Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, and this is a bad one. This is important. Remember, this is the flyers we're talking about here. He's six, six and he hits people. I hate you so much, Charlotte. <laughs> they just gave Isaac. They just gave Isaac Ratcliffe away for fucking futures, but they're gonna go get the next him. Yeah, like, well, uh, uh, Isaac Ratcliffe didn't really hit people. I, I know, I know. I, I that's I'm important. Just like, Don't why not, forget. Why not teach him? Maybe, maybe teach him to hit people. I, I, you have a bunch of guys. You, you fucking lead the league in hits. I bet you can teach someone to hit him. Teach someone uh, like. Uh, uh, like, Joel Farabee hasn't scored a goal since January 9th. Maybe make him your reclamation project. I, you know, the first-round pick who scored at the same pace as David Pashnak for the first year and a half of his career? Make him your reclamation project, not this bum from Minnesota. If they bring in a fucking guy from Minnesota, like, Honestly, that should be grounds for firing. It would be real funny. It, it's it would be if that's really truly the funniest move, shit. Just, like, chef's kiss if that's Chuck's like, last move. Watch Bringing that in a be fucking the, Minnesota guy. Like... What else are they even going to, like, JVR's their piece. They don't have anyone else anyone wants. I, I mean, know. they do, but they're they they're going to hold on to them because they think they can win because they're delusional. Like, you're going to get Jordan Greenway and nothing else for the only guy anyone wants? Meanwhile, fucking Tanner Janot is going for, like, five picks and a player? Like, this is what we're talking about? Yep. It's a whole ass thing. Yep. It? This is the most ass-backwards organization in all of sports. Like, they are worse than the Cowboys, the fucking Commanders. They're the worst organization I can think of. Oh, William. I can't think of a hockey team that's in a worse place. Oh, William. Uh, like, Spot? <laughs> I, I love when Kelly Sorry. yells at the cat. I, I meant to like... mute myself. He's eating a plant. I... Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, so... That's the Jordan Greenway rumor I wanted to get into. Um, in other news, Elliot the Destroyer's up. Yeah, uh, that's fun. Denoye's yeah, up. Denoye, the, the guy who John Tortorella said today, he's calling him Desi for now because he has no idea how to pronounce his name correctly. God bless. It's really not that complicated. <laughs> it's not that hard. Like, it's basically just like a French name. Like yeah. it's it's like all the French players in the league. This is this is what they sound like. Uh, but that's like a guy with upside that you want to see. I don't think he's ever going to be like a star. But if there's reason to watch, it's him. It's yeah. like Soul. Like there there's going to yeah. be call ups, which is D- encouraging. Could, I guess Denoye could be a Scott Lawton. Which like, hey, I love Scott Lawton. Good player. Not going to change your franchise, but he's a good player. <laughs> I 
I have determined that he's going to be better than that because he played in Halifax. Thanks. That's my analysis. I, I just, I hate this fucking team. So, <laughs> um, so the trade deadline is Friday, March 3rd at 3 p.m. You know, it'll be after that before we know everything that happens, but... There's a lot of shit going on right now. <laughs> Tampa Bay Lightning just, I mean, most of it's nonsense. Like, you know, oh, great. Like, what does a third-round pick mean to them? Who gives a shit? Uh, but they gave up a ton for Tanner Janot. Uh, of course, the Flyers have made a move. They traded Isaac Ratcliffe, uh, my guy, who I wanted at 13 in 2017. For actually they won nothing. The lottery, quote, unquote. Yeah. For futures. For, for future considerations. It's not, like, Shane Gostisbehere, the other side, said... Nothing. It was blank. This one actually says future considerations. So at some point, they might get something for him. I don't sure, know. I'm sure. Um, yeah. He's going to be a nice little grinder for them. I'm telling you, he's the next RJ Umberger. Uh, <laughs> I just believe in him. I, it's been so long, and I still do. Uh, like, what other moves out there that you've seen have been like, what? What what the fuck has there been? A, like Janos, well, the all, all of the trades have are happening. Like this is, I, I was yeah. saying this today in the. Uh, this is an the, active one in the press room. It's not even that it's an active one. It's that like I want I want to read a story from one of the national insiders that that explains why all the trades are happening a week early this year. Like what what is it about this trade deadline that had like because usually. GMs wait until the last minute. Down this, to the wire. Yeah, and this year it just seems like everybody like wants to get done as quickly as possible. I don't know. It just it, it strikes me as odd. It's not what usually happens, which is really interesting to me. I I just I don't know why. TSM is going to be so boring on Friday. Maybe this is just that was like always Paul Holmgren's strategy, wasn't it? Like a couple of days before he'd make the moves. But anyway, this is a week um, before. Yeah. Just uh, just first thought in my head, the tank teams really want to get rid of anyone who helps their winning percent. Like, 1% added, you're, you're fucking out of here. Yeah. Like, the teams that are trying to be in the lottery really want to get rid of their best players so that they have, like, Chicago won five in a row, you know? <laughs> because Patrick Kane all of a sudden was like, oh, I know, I want to get traded, and turned it <laughs> on. And, like, suddenly they were winning games. Like... They want to badly avoid screwing their lottery chances in the last month and a half. Is that it's what makes sense to me? I don't there know. is something. I mean, they've been they've been clearly tanking like since the summer. Yeah, they weren't even yeah. trying to pretend. There is something very funny about the fact that like the thing that Chuck Fletcher gets yelled at a lot for by fans is that like he doesn't do anything, and this is the trade deadline where everybody's doing stuff early, and Chuck's just like sitting there like, yeah, I'll trade Isaac Ratcliffe for nothing. That that's my move. The, the, that's like when you say not everything is a message, and then you know the coach is like, "We're selling, right?" <laughs> no, maybe, maybe he's like, "I gotta wake this fucking like someone go wake him up, knock on his door, just make sure he knows it's this week." You know, like I thought the we're supposed to be at the Flyers Carnival, and I thought it was this weekend, but it turns out it's a month from the week, like it's a month away. I thought I was missing it. I need reminders like that. Maybe Chuck just needs reminders like that. Uh, oh, boy. What, what realistically, I, and we've done this a bunch, but now, you know, it's Friday. It's the last time we're all going to talk, you know, publicly until the trade deadline. Um, other than JVR, is anyone, none of the big shit, right? Well, you know, maybe it, Hayes. I keep seeing Hayes. Hayes. Yeah, it, it seems like Hayes is like gaining momentum. I don't know if this is, like, to me, this strikes me as, like, I think his agents are trying to, like, get him the hell out of Philly, because it's, like, Makes like sense. Let, let me put it this way, and I talked about this in our Slack channel, I will bring it up on here, because, like, this made me laugh a lot. So, Frank Saravalli was the first guy today who would put it out there that, like, this Kevin Hayes stuff really has legs, but I want to I read off what he actually put in his article about Kevin Hayes because if this doesn't tell you where this was coming from like it sh it should give you a real real good idea and it is where let me hold on one second I want to I want to quote this directly because it's real real funny and it was 
This is an all-star center with size who plays a diligent 200-foot game and is responsible. Like, haven't we spent the entire year the Flyers have been screaming, like, this guy doesn't play defense. He's not even a center. He, like, cares so li-. And then, like, he literally... It's almost like Frank literally got a press release from Kevin Hayes' agent and just read it off <laughs> verbatim. Like, this is... And that it does it does read exactly like that. And you get that with all the big reporters. Yeah, like, of course. Sports. But I, it made like, me laugh. Like, you know... In the NBA, like, Shams gets his shit from the agents, and Woj gets his shit from the organizations, and it reads just like you would think either of those sides would uh, would write it, and they all do this, but, it, like, that is the Kevin Hayes we were sold when he signed. Like, this yeah. idea that he plays, this idea that he plays no defense is kind of a new thing under John Tortorella. The whole idea was, oh, you know, he doesn't put up the huge points, but in aggregate, because of his defensive game, he's a he's a good second-line yeah, he, yeah, center. Yeah, he's a two-way center. And now yeah. John Tortorella's like, not only is he not a two-way guy, he's not even a center, actually. His defense is bad, and he plays no center. I will <laughs> say, like, I still do think, like, there's a there's an element of... This team can't score. He's a good player. He's just going to do more on offense. Like, that's why he's putting up more points than ever. Because yeah. he's got to focus on that because the team would lose every game 2 nothing if he didn't. Like, I, I do think there is an element of that to his game. But also, maybe he's just not as good as we thought. It's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the, thing with, the thing with Hayes right now is that I do wonder, because... I. Up until a couple of days ago, I really did not think Kevin Hayes was going to get moved at the deadline. I thought it was going to be the offseason when that would happen. You do wonder if, like, the fact that everyone has gotten traded already that was expected to get traded. Like, now teams are like, oh, shit. If I want to get somebody, I got to, like, like yep. I got to, like, find somebody who wasn't expected to get moved. And now they're like, so, Chuck, what about Kevin Hayes? Is he available? So... I do wonder if the Flyers might be benefiting from that front. Like, there was a run on all the forwards, and now it's like, who's left? Oh, shit, we need to find somebody who's left. I guess Kevin Hayes is. Let's try to get him. And maybe Chuck could take advantage of that. Maybe. Like, just looking at the financial situation every team in the league is in, are the Flyers going to cover a portion of Hayes' salary for this year and three more? Yeah. Like, no one's taking him at seven plus. Yeah, well, I, I think they right? would have to. Yeah, I would yeah, be blown away. Half, right? Even if it's just like 20, 25% or something. Like, yeah. it has to be something. I would think you got to at least cut about $2 million of cap hit per year off of his deal to make him palatable for other teams. Because then he suddenly becomes That's a guy. Yeah, then he becomes a guy on a three-year, fifteen million-dollar contract. I think. I think if he hit free agency, he would get that deal from someone. I don't think he would get three years, twenty-one, yeah. whatever mil, but he would get three fifteen. So, like, yeah, you yeah, turn him into would... that. You turn him into that. He has value. Now, are the Flyers willing to so, have like two million dollars on their books for the next three years? I would if it maximizes return because I don't think the Flyers are going to be good the next three years. Who gives a shit? Now, whether the Flyers are willing to do that is another story. And when you say maximizes return, um, you know, his agent can put that press release out all he wants. John Tortorella has spent the last six months telling the whole world that this guy is a fucking lazy defender. And like, you know. I can't imagine a team getting ready for a playoff push being like, oh, a guy who doesn't want to play in his own zone. That sounds good. Well, the, the, two, uh, whatever, the, the two teams that I've heard have interest. These are the two that, that I've I've been able to pick up on that are legitimately talking about Kevin Hayes. I, I've heard Colorado for a long time, which makes Colorado, sense because yeah. they always have the puck. I just today heard Carolina. And again, I, I was gonna guess Carolina. another team that always has the puck. Yeah, I mean, they made the they made the Flyers think Tony D'Angelo was worth ten million dollars because did you he didn't have that, to play defense. Did you see the rumor that Carolina is interested in getting Tony D'Angelo? I did hear that. I'm not. I don't think there. I think that was more Friedman. Like, let me put it this way. I think Carolina might have interest in that because they never wanted to get rid of D'Angelo. They just didn't think he was worth five mil. If the Flyers were to retain. 
two million dollars this year and next, then yeah, they would they would take Fucking it back in a they take it back in a heartbeat. Chestnut checkers out of Tulski. I I would just launder I, three million through the flyers and get I, the player we would, would have kept anyway. Uh, truly, I want to see that happen now. Like, the Flyers be played for the fool to the utmost extent. I want them embarrassed to, like, the umpteenth degree at this point. They can't Uh, be embarrassed. They have no self-awareness. Like, no. If you paid the guy and then they take him back for less money than you fucking paid him, (laughs) that is the funniest shit ever. Because you know the return that they get for him, even after covering some of his salary, will not be what they gave up for him. They will win the trade. They will continue to have won the trade. But so, but po- point is, be... I I do think Carolina yes. probably had like I suspect Carolina at the very least like gave Chuck a call and was like, hey, your coach is saying that Tony D'Angelo sucks at defense. If you are done with him, we'll take him back. If you retain some money, <laughs> like we'll take him off your hands. If you're looking to get rid of, him. I don't think the Flyers want to trade Tony D'Angelo. Let me put it that. Oh, no, so so, so I don't think he will get moved, but I I fully believe it makes sense to me that Carolina would at least check. Like what what's the worst that could happen? They say no. Please check. So when you see the return for Tanner Janot, and granted, like the uh, the financial situation much different. Do you wonder? Yeah, we should probably trade Scott Lawton. Like yeah, but Lawton isn't you know to to me like what you got to realize with Tanner Janot is that Tanner Janot like scratches every single itch for hockey men. Like he's oh, big, yeah. he can skate, he hits all the time, he fights. Like he like he is like the the fucking like wet dream of an NHL GM. So of course he was. The hope get... is he becomes Tom Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Because Tom Wilson is the favorite player of every single general manager in hockey. Because they all wish every single player in hockey was Tom Wilson. Because that would be their yeah. dream NHL. Now, like Scott Lawton is a guy they like. But, you know, he's not that big and he doesn't fight that much and, like, he can't hit all that often because, again, he's not that big. To me, when when I saw the Janot return, my first thought was not Scott Lawton. My first thought was, holy shit, if they would have traded Wayne Simmons in, like, 2017, like, we they might have gotten five first-round picks for him because, like, (laughs) like, Tanner Janot has, like, five goals this year and he got that much. That's like he had the big year last year, and then this year he has regressed a ton. Like his shooting percentage is a third of what it was. It doesn't like matter. He's just not. It doesn't matter. No, and it's just they it's funny it. to like. I just I'm just thinking of like, oh, I like Wade Allison. Wade Allison also not that good. What could you get for him? Like you know, I, I just he if just this healthy, is the, ask, the if this is yeah no I, yeah. If this is the return for guys like that, I want to move everyone because you're going to get like the same back for Scott. Not that Scott Lawton is Janelle. Obviously, there's differences in finances, differences in style. But like also, Scott Lawton is a better player. Like overall, better player. Um, I I don't know. Move we everyone. Should be They're trying, not going yeah, to. Yeah, I was going to say, we should be trying to move everyone. Yeah. But... It looks like there might be something with Hayes. JVR is foregone conclusion. Yeah, he's gone. Um, Braun, if somebody Braun, wants him. if someone calls up and wants Braun, sure. Yeah. But Patrick like, Brown. outside of that, uh, oh, yeah, Patrick yeah, Brown, perfect. One. Like, yeah, TK's he's... hurt. We didn't think it was going to happen, but TK being injured basically for the rest of the year takes that off the table. Yeah. Provorov, if that happens, we've always said it's going to be an off-season thing. Anyone else? I think that might be it. Hayes seems like the guy that like it's circling in on that if, if there's, there's a if there's a big move it's going to be a him. headline move yeah it's going to be him that's what it seems like and hey you know what like the right move is to trade Kevin Hayes like mm-hmm. it yeah. is it is the right move he's having yeah. like the best scoring season of his career he's got a seven plus million dollar cap hit like yeah get out from under that deal if you can he'll be thirty one in May like. The coach it's, doesn't like it's him. It's over. He's not even yeah, playing center it, on this, this team. This thing is over with him. Yeah. yeah. Like, the whole, um, his whole value is that, like, the whole reason why they signed him 
is because he was a center and because Nolan Patrick's career was in limbo. So it's like, well, we need a center. And now the coach who you've hitched your ride to doesn't even think he's a center anymore. So like, why is he still here? <laughs> what what would you say you do? Here? What? What a fucking team. What a team. Uh, I, I Just based because of the what a team. Um, Kelly, you were at the game the other night. Did they really yeah. put up on the scoreboard the Flyers lead the league in hits and block shots? Was that a real So I graphic? don't know. I, I didn't see that one specifically, but they did several times during the game put up various pie charts that were like hits. And then like the Flyers had like way more pie. Oh, I, I am, I am certain like that was shots real. Or- I'm certain that was real because I think the person, I, I believe it. The person who tweeted it out was Brian Culture, and like I, yeah. Brian yeah. Culture was at the game. He was, yeah. And yes. I don't think he would have like photoshopped a fake thing together from the game. I think he saw it and thought Me it was neither. funny and tweeted it. Me neither. I just don't want to get got, and it is something so flyers that like if any other fucking organization did it, I'd be like, this is a photoshop. But first of all, I, I want to just, if you haven't seen it, it's on, uh, it's on Coulter's Twitter. Uh, but the graphic itself, a plain white brat background with black text and a little of like that, like, I guess, reverse retro etching at the top, like that black and white zigzag thing they do. Yeah. And then it just says the Flyers lead the NHL and hits and block shots. They know that's bad, right? Like, no, that's, they don't. That's the problem. Like that. That's fucking unbelievable that at this point they can't put two and two together and be like, that means you don't have the puck, dummy. I, I no. just the old school that, guys. That's in the bad to lead the league in those things. They think it's great because it shows they're playing with heart. They yes. care. Hard to part. Hard to play against, baby. Yeah, old school yeah, hockey it's people, real. fans included, still think that blocking shots is good because they can't, like, like reverse like. It, in the aggregate, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, individually, blocking a shot. Okay, good. Good nice that you play. did that. Yeah. Yes. However, if your team is always blocking shots, that's bad. Why are there so many like, shots to block? If There's you so have many like shots. 50, if you have 15 of the top 40 in the league and block shots, like, that's fucking bad. Bad. You never have the puck. You should and be just, taking the shots. To, to group those two things together, hits and block <laughs> shots, it's like, yeah, we never have it. We are without the puck most of the time. Always. It's just, I, I love the fights. I love the old school shit. I'm that type of fan. I know it's bad. How don't they? Because they're real dumb. I just, um, we didn't also, talk about this. Also, the fights are embarrassing at this point. I you know I like the fights too. But like when like when you're like shitting the bed and the whole team sucks and then you like pick a fight with someone, it's like and like what are we doing? Like, like you're down five gets nothing. If someone gets cheap shotted and you need to stick up for your teammate, fine. Okay. If you want to spark something, fine. But the coach just said the games are meaningless. So now you're a professional wrestler. Like are, are, this is okay. what we changing the momentum, yeah. well, boys, like, with but, the fight. Like, but, but, is that what we're doing? But, like, classic example of that on Saturday, okay? And the funny thing is, because, like, look, like, and I will make this abundantly clear. Like, I have the utmost respect for Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. I think they're great journalists. I enjoy listening to their podcasts. I enjoy yeah, reading their articles. Friedman kind of seems like a dick. However, however, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've talked to both of them. I've That's never had them. I don't have a bad yeah. thing to say about either. <laughs> however, I was listening to their podcast um, one of the podcasts they did over the last couple of days, because obviously this is like their time to shine. It's the fucking trade deadline. And they were like, did you see Nick Sealer have that fight with Michael McLeod on Saturday? And they're like, yeah, that was awesome. Like, that's why they love Nick Sealer. He's such a flyer. And all I was thinking to myself is, yeah, he dropped the gloves with Michael McLeod. There were a lot of punches thrown. And you know what happened? They lost seven to nothing. It didn't change the momentum at all. I, I'll, we didn't bring up Sealer. Like, when you see that grind guys are going for fucking five picks in a player, you need to sell Nick Sealer yesterday. Oh, absolutely. This no. guy is going to be... Absolutely. Like, they should sell him. Like, you, you gotta can really sell think him... about that. 
You can sell him to Edmonton. Like, this is Brandon Manning, but better, boys. Like, (laughs) if you don't trade Nick Sealer, I I mean, there's already no hope. Like, this is a fucking low bar to clear. But they're pretty much said they're not trading Nick Sealer. Like, that's insane. But that's like crazy. That's if I was trying to trade Nick Sealer. I would tell a bunch of GMs horny for Nick Sealer. No, 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 you can't yeah, have oh. him. No, 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 no. Oh like, yeah, I mean, that's fair. what I'd say too. This I is the right negotiation tactic. Credit. Yeah, yeah. I don't give Chuck the yeah. credit for no. If that's, doing good negotiations. Yeah, th- this is this means like we have someone competent in charge who knows what the fuck he's doing, and clearly no. that's the opposite of the case. Um, well, the thing is, is that I, like I want like, to like you can you can talk about this idea of. Yeah, the hard to play against guys you can sell for a lot because GMs overvalue them. The problem is, is that like the Flyers are one of the teams that overvalue them. They're not going to give one of those guys away. They want all of those guys. I'm shocked they didn't trade for Tanner Janot. I kind of was too, honestly. (laughs) Like when I see, (laughs) I was kind of fucking shocked. (laughs) And honestly, if you're looking for a reclamation project. And he's coming from a team with which you do business all the time, and you did make a trade with them. I don't know. What? Why don't we have Tanner? Obviously, because you weren't. I'm glad they didn't give up five picks for him. But <laughs> what the fuck are they doing with those picks anyway? Um, we didn't talk about a bunch of this stuff because of the timing of the show this week. So I want to get into stuff that may be a little outdated. Starting with the Sanheim scratch. Ooh, um, yeah, that was a thing. That, that was, was a whole spicy. thing. That's I find it I find it funny, but it's not it's kind of not cool to sit a guy. Like that's kind of when you talk about the old school hockey men and we've given credit to Tortorella for being maybe a step above the old school hockey men this year, but man, that's kind of not cool. See, All the Flyers fans on Twitter whose dad was mean to them when they were kids loved that scratch. Oh yeah. But here's the thing, though. A lot of the hockey people, like, this is something that that hockey people do think is a slight. Like, you know, the the fighting and the hits is great, but, like, a lot of people in the game did legitimately think this was a shitty thing that Tortorella did. And to me, like, like, look, I'm on the fence. Because on one hand, yes, objectively speaking, it was a shitty thing to do. Like, yeah, his friends and family are in the arena, and he sends him a text message, or someone sends Sanheim a text message on Monday morning. By the way, you're not playing. Sorry, you can do warm ups if you want. But so, like, yeah, it was a dick move. However, like Sanheim, objectively speaking, has been dog shit for most of the season and was real bad in Vancouver. So, like, I get it. I don't think that it was unwarranted. To me, the more interesting thing here is how it was re- how it was received in the room. And my read on the situation is that it was not received well in the room. That like oh, a lot think they haven't tried since. Like a lot of players because Travis Sanheim is a very, very popular player in that room. Like he's one of the guys who everyone likes. And Travis Sanheim, which I thought I, I want to read this quote directly because we interviewed Sanheim on Friday. Obviously, I wasn't on the West Coast trip, but when they got back and they practiced on Friday, uh, we interviewed him, and Sanheim was pretty open that like, yeah, you know, it hurt, but you know, he basically was like, I, I got to be professional about it. I can't, you know, think about it too long. Whatever, coach makes the moves. But this was the interesting thing that he said. Because I don't think it was me. I think it might have been either Gianna or Olivia basically asked him, like, you know, what did your teammates have to say about the scratching? And his response was, obviously the team was awesome. You know, it goes to show the locker room that we have and my status in the locker room and how much I mean to the team. So from that standpoint, it was awesome. Teammates had my back. And to me, that tells me that, like, yeah, everybody in the room basically went up to Travis Sandheim and was like, man, Torts is an asshole. That was such a shitty thing he did to you. And, like, if everyone is kind of saying that, like, you do wonder if, like, they might start being like, like, you know, fuck this dude like they did with Elaine Vigno. And we saw what happened there. Like, that's my bigger concern here is, like, was this a bridge too far for Torts in terms of, like, like, they, they all know he's a dick. But, like, there's a difference between, like, being a dick that you respect and being a dick that you just are like, fuck this dude. And I just, I wonder if that was, that was kind of a step in the, like, 
you know what, screw this guy, he's just an asshole. Did Tort say that he didn't know that Sanheim, like, that was his home game? Yeah, he did say that. He kind of, I think Tort's at the very least knew that Sanheim had his family around. It's possible, I guess, that Torts didn't know that Sanheim played his junior hockey in Calgary and that he had friends at the game as well. But at the very least, he knew that Sanheim had his family on this trip. They were in Vancouver. They were at that game. They were also going to the Calgary game. And Torts just didn't give a shit. Like, I had a commenter comment on the article and actually made a really good point. And because, as I said, I was kind of on the fence about this of like, you know what? The interesting thing to me is more like how did the team respond to it rather than was it, the, yeah. was it the right thing or the wrong thing for Torts to do. But somebody commented on my article and basically said what Torts really – he's like, I'm an old school guy. I'm an older fan. I generally like Torts. I think he was wrong on this one. And I think what Torts should have done is Torts should have brought, should have brought him into the room, into like his, co- his, his coaching office or whatever, and been like, look, you really sucked in Vancouver. I I was going to scratch you for this game. I'm not going to scratch you because your family's here. But if you shit the bed again, you are getting scratched next game, and I will not feel bad at all about it. That's the only thing that's keeping you in the lineup. And he was like, if he would have done that, that would have been accountability, and it would have maybe that would have actually helped the relationship between the two guys instead of possibly ruining it. And now I agree basically with that entire sentiment. The only thing we're not privy to is how many times that conversation has taken place before. That is fair. Like, it's a fair point. It, like, we don't know if he's been like, yo, you sucked again last night, dude. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, yeah, you have a fair. nine-year fucking contract. I have no other recourse but to sit you. <laughs> yeah, like, right. you're signed forever. There's nothing I can do. I can't lower your value. The the only threat I have is your playing time. We don't know how many times Tortorella has said, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. What do we think is going on with Travis Sanheim? Because he was quite good last season. Just just a guy. Honestly, I think he's just having a bad year. Because I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a good player who's having a bad year. And hopefully next year I think he's he's having a down year. Yeah. I don't think he's bad. I just think he's... He's an average player. Sometimes average players play above average. Sometimes they play below average. This is his below average year. Yeah. I'm sure he'll come out next year at 42 points. Sure. But that I, I, I think I think higher Sanheim than you, I think. I think Sanheim is a solidly above average player. I don't think he's a star. I think he's a good second pair defenseman who this year is playing he's like crap. He's the Flyers' best defenseman He's last playing year. like crap. Yeah, on a and team it's just funny. It's no funny. It's funny that he's playing like crap right after the Flyers signed into an eight-year contract. Yeah, funny. That's the word. Yeah. I mean, it, it is funny uh, in like a darkly uh, comedic sort of way, like a uh, Coen Brothers sort of way. Ah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, uh, JVR and York were both scratched against Jersey. Is JVR just going to be out till the till he gets traded? Like, is that what's happening? I think there's a decent chance that JVR has played his last game as a Flyer. He might not even be on the roster by Wednesday. Like the way yeah. this trade deadline's going. York was interesting because basically, like, yes, he was scratched, and I'm intrigued to see how York will take that, but Torts basically told us, because I went up to the game in, in Newark on Saturday, we interviewed him before the game, interviewed Tortorella, and Tortorella was like, it's nothing bad, I just think he needs a reset and he's tired and I'm giving him a game off. But, like, right. I mean, fair, but it is... Honestly, I, I wish they just did that, like, I wish this was just, like, a thing. Like, why can't we just do that? In hockey. Yeah. Without it being like a whole ass thing. Well, because the coach no, makes it a whole ass thing. Like, I know. Tortorella clearly didn't want the York thing to be a whole ass thing. So he just said, like, it's nothing bad. I still like the guy. He just needs a break. Whereas, like, other times he's scratched players, he'll be like, well, that's between me and Kevin. Like, that makes it a whole ass thing. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 It makes it sound like you two got in a fucking fist fight. Exactly. Like, that's, that's what that sounds <laughs> but- like. But you don't, like, hockey players don't really get scratched just, like, because they need a rest. Well, because it's hockey, and they're hockey players. And exactly, and it's stupid. Fair, but that's just hockey. It's the way it is until it changes, Um, who knows if it ever will. The Farabee stuff. The Farabee stuff was... Like, I guess... Yeah, that, that well, that was that went into the Sandheim stuff too. The, I got the problem with the Farabee stuff. The Farabee stuff yeah. was wild to me, because basically what it seems like happened was that... 
Joel, Fa- so Joel Farabee gets sat down. First, he gets put on the fourth line to start the Calgary game. Then he makes a mistake on Backlund's goal in the second period and ends up behind the play. Backlund scores. Farabee doesn't see the ice the rest of that game. I think what happened after that was that Joel Farabee's agent basically called up Chuck Fletcher and called up to, t- to basically, like, complain that his player wasn't being treated well. Like, what the fuck, Chuck? Joel is coming back from injury. He didn't have an offseason. And towards his bench at him, this is bullshit. And I think, like, Chuck Fletcher kind of was like, okay, thanks for the call. Bye. And Joel Farabee's agent got pissed off that he felt like he wasn't being heard and then decides to leak that directly to Frank Saravalli because he felt like, you know, I need to stick up for my guy. Then it becomes a whole thing. John Tortorella then on Friday's like, his agent should shut the fuck up. And Joel Farabee's like, I don't want to leave Philly. I love it here. My family lives here. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm kind of annoyed that I even have to answer questions about this. So that was like, the truth to it is I don't think Joel Farabee and John Tortorella are that tight at the moment, which like goes back to what I was saying earlier about like, could Tortorella be on the verge of losing the locker room? And that's an interesting thing to me. But I don't think Joel Farabee is getting traded. I don't think that's going to happen. So here's my problem with the Farabee thing. Is that I get the accountability thing and I'm on board with it. Like, I get it, whatever. But like, there's a difference between like a player playing lazy or a player playing bad and a player being 23, having his neck operated on, having no offseason and trying to work his way back to where he was before. Like, I don't understand why there's no grace being given over the fact that, like, he had a major surgery. Like, Eichel wasn't Eichel his first season back from the surgery, and he's Jack Eichel. So, like, maybe we chill a little bit on the accountability for your player that whipped ass last season and is probably really good but is working his way back from a very serious procedure. It's just also for me, it's like a weird thing to like die on for torts. Like, why are we fucking with this kid? Also the games are meaningless and all his teammates are bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like, I just always saw this as a, as a lost year for Faraby when they said he's right. going to have the disc replacement uh, procedure. I just thought, okay, this is going to be a fucking thing. This this year, yeah. yes, I would love to have seen him take a step forward, become a, a, a you know, a, a borderline all-star. Not that was never going surgery, to happen though. after yeah. the next surgery. No. And so like punishing him for not living up to whatever expectation you had based on last year's play. It just seems like he wasn't even that good last year. He was real good the well, year before. The year before, yeah, yeah you're right. When he led the it team. It just in seems goals. like a like a short term, like you're not thinking a long term game with Faraby. If you're also like, if they trade him, I don't care. I don't care if they trade literally. I, I don't anybody. care if they trade anybody, Bill. But they're yeah. not. They're not going to trade him. So no, I'd be shocked. It'd be stupid to trade him. It'd be stupid to trade him because you're selling, selling low, low, and you know that he's and probably going to bounce back next season. Like, what's the point? You're selling low, and you have an incompetent general manager. Like. You know, if Julian Brisebois was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull the trigger here," I'm like, "All right, cool," but no, we we have an imbecile. So like, that's the dumbest thing you could do is let him trade this guy who might be the only competent player on the team, at least in terms of forwards with Travis connecting out. Uh, Samuel Ersan, he good. He's down. Like he him. was real good. He was real good, and then he gave up seven, and now he's a phantom to help with their playoff push. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Tortorella actually solved that problem. Yeah, Tortorella actually he apologized uh after the game basically because he was like, Look, I felt bad that Urs had to eat those seven goals because like it killed his stats. Now his stats look like shit. Yeah. But he but he's like, Look, like Carter played the whole game the night before. Like, this is what a backup has to do sometimes. He has to just eat it. Yeah. And Carter need the day off. So like Sorry, like, I felt bad. And I think Torts really, really likes Sam Erson, like, likes him a lot, and legitimately did feel bad about it. But now, Erson's numbers are going to look like shit. 
because he very well might not be back at all this year. And then two years down the line, when fans no longer think Urson is like the next savior, they hate him because they hate him because fans decide after two years, they hate everybody because that's just what they do. Then people are going to point at people are going to point at this season and be like, Ursa's never been good. He didn't even have a 900 save percentage his rookie year because fans are dumb. And rent. How dare you? How dare you? That's no. No, because that, I hear I can no, absolutely No, because I hear this shit about Carter Hart. Like people are like like they've retconned Carter Hart like his really good seasons that they weren't actually that good because they go back and look at stats because they've decided that oh, well, I don't like Carter Hart anymore because he's not the shiny new toy. And the same thing's going to happen to Sam Urson because that's just what fans do. It is funny that like he was six and zero with a nine thirteen, and now he's you know six and one with like an eight ninety or something. Like yeah. it just like that, and it's gonna it destroys. Like on my you better you bet people are asking me like, hey, what's up with that? Uh, the Flyers have like a rookie goalie who's undefeated. He's real good. And then I come in today, they're like, oh, so that's over. It's like yeah, it's, yeah. It's why you can't like, trust it was that. never gonna. Yeah, it was never going to be that, but also, like, it's his eighth start. That's what happens when you have a sample size of eight. What happens in the first inning of a baseball game, like the opening day, when a pitcher gives up a leadoff home run and his stats say infinite? Like, his (laughs) ERA is infinite because, like, that's how it's calculated. Now, we had a fairly negative show, and I can't imagine... um, I got news for you, listeners. They're all going to be negative. (laughs) No, No, they're not. I can't imagine it uh it turning around anytime soon. So I did want to take the final few minutes of today's program to at least point and laugh at Ron Hextall yes. and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh they fucking hate him and it's very funny. It's it, I knew I couldn't stay mad at old number 27 forever, <laughs> and he's earned his way. He's earned his way back into the family, baby. Come home whenever you'll want, sexy hexy. You've done the Lord's work in Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> it's truly, they fucking hate him. Oh, yeah, they despise him. They hate him, him for all the same reasons that we hated him, too, which is very funny to me. He's like, so this is our core's last chance. Do something. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to give up nah. future picks, though. Like, yeah, like you got Crosby. I don't know. <laughs> Might Seems be like the right time the to do that. Uh, Just you're maybe. Not, your next guy won't be him. <laughs> well, the best, I think my well, favorite, my favorite part of it was yeah. the report that Mike Sullivan is like begging Hexall to trade for Jacob Chikrin. And Hex is like, nah, we're good. <laughs> like, yeah. The coach is like screaming at his general manager, get me this guy. And Hex is like, nah, I mean, I don't feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't like him that much in the. I didn't like him that much in the draft. I'm gonna trade for him now. Nah. Nah. No, it's just, oh, it's so fucking like, that's legitimate. Like, we can read into Tortorella. Like, that's legitimately happening. <laughs> like, yeah. Every yeah. report is like, no, Mike Sullivan is begging the general manager to do shit, and he's like, and he's him and Berkey are just like, mm, nah. It's nah. I think we're good. I, I do think, and like, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about the Ron Hextall fit in Pittsburgh when he got hired because it's not my job to. I don't cover the Pittsburgh Penguins. In retrospect, though, like, and, and I'll, to be clear, I don't think Ron Hextall at his core is, like, a terrible general manager. I think he had the right plan in Philadelphia. I don't think he drafted that as well as he should have. But, in this, by the same token, like, that's not all on him. I think, in part, the reason yeah. why he drafted poorly is because the Flyers' scouting infrastructure that he was depending on wasn't all that good. Thanks. So like, and the this Flyers goes back have drafted to, poorly for fifty years. Yeah, and and, and like, like you can make the argument had, like, that like three good drafts. Yeah, and you can make ever. the argument that yeah, well the scouts wanted Miro Haskin, and you know what? They probably did. But like the scouts also wanted Jay O'Brien, and guess what? He's bad. So like you know what? Yeah, the scouts <laughs> might have been right on that one, but they haven't been right on a lot of other shit. Remember so, like, him? <laughs> so <sighs> so like I don't think Hextall is at his core like a horrible general manager. Like, I think he could be a good general manager in certain situations. The fact that he was hired by the Penguins when his two biggest flaws in Philly were, number one, he was real bad at filling out the bottom of his lineup. Like, remember the Dale Weiss contract. Remember Valtteri Filppula. He thought bad players were good. So that was number one. Yes. And then and then number two was the 
hyper patient, I'm not going to do anything or trade away future picks. And like, you hired a guy, your team has star players at the end of their prime, like generational players at the end of their prime, and you hire a guy who is bad at filling out the bottom of a roster and won't trade future picks. Like, how is this ever going to work? It wasn't. That's, you're in when you were the Penguins, and I don't know if there's anything they could do that would push them over the top. But like when you're in that position, you're in desperation mode. Yeah. And he's got the patience of like fucking Buddha. Like <laughs> he'd still be just drafting thirteenth if he was the Flyers' general manager yep. and hoping it worked out. And, and like I, I'm, I just it was a horrible fit, and it's very very funny. It's it, it truly is no the the penguins right now should be in like like who gives a shit let's just go for it like this is straight up yeah. like Lu, like this is straight up louis the 15th like after us the deluge like like who gives a shit once Sidney crosby retires we're gonna be bad so like let's just fucking go for it every year who cares about 2026 It's great. Uh, do we have anything else? Are we no, done? not really. I got some stuff. I got my historical oh, okay. reference in. I'm happy. Okay. So, a couple of uh, announcements for the podcast. First of all, Bill mentioned the Flyers Wives. Well, not the Flyers Wives. Flyers Charity Carnival on March 26th. It'll we'll always be, be Flyers Wives. I know. We will be there doing a uh, live-ish podcast recording. So, if you are going to the carnival, come say hi to us. If you're not going to the carnival, you should because it's fun. Um, second announcement is uh, the dead body of Jesus will not be the only thing rising on Easter Sunday this year. As Broad Street Hockey what? will be having wow, a Kelly. tailgates <laughs> with sponsored by our friends at Clear, uh, Clear Rum are sponsoring a tailgate that we're going to have on April 9th uh, for the Phillies game at 1 o'clock and the Flyers game at 6 o'clock. There is going to be uh, clear drinks for sale. They have several canned cocktails that are delicious. We are going to have Dylan, the guy who did all the barbecue for the Eagles tailgates. He's going to be coming by and doing some meats for us, so that'll be cool. Um, we'll probably have some giveaways. It'll generally be a good time. So if you're going to be going to either of those sporting events on April 9th, I hope that you will pop on over to one of the lots to see us. We'll have the details on where we will be posted up as we get closer, but yeah, it's going to be our big, like, you know, yay, broad street hockey. We're not dead party. So that's, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. That's the resurrection of broad street hockey. Um, I, I think it's very important to point out to people. There's also a Phillies game that day. Yeah. So if you want to do, if you want to participate in the entertaining sporting event, you can do so. And then we'll yeah. be there for the tailgate afterwards, which exactly. is followed by a Flyers game as well. Uh, so yeah. it's not I like we're. I assume we'll be seeing yeah. 90% Phillies fans. and Most people in red, I would yeah, guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. But hey, they're going to learn right. about Broad Street Hockey that day. So good for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, is that all the time we have? That's all the time. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, you get this show and fly verbally and maybe some other shit along the way. Who's to say? Uh, post games will be back at some point, uh, just maybe next year or something. Uh, but that's it for me. My name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Charlie, have a great week, everybody. 